Hey, y'all, Cable here, and this week's podcast probably brought to you by PhoneScope. If you don't have a PhoneScope, you need to get one. Let me tell you why. If you hunt, well, or maybe you just like to birdwatch, although if you birdwatch, I don't know why you're listening to this show. Maybe you hunt and you birdwatch. Either way, if you like to scout for things to shoot or if you like to just look at and record wildlife, their attachment locks on to your spotting scope or binos. All you do? Hook your phone up to it, and you are now recording through your phone what your optic is picking up, whether that's 300 yards away or 1,000. It's crystal clear, and it couldn't be any easier. Go to Phonescope.com to order your Phonescope today, and you'll save 10% if you use the promo code LONESTAR. That's right. Tell them I sent you and save 10% off your Phonescope order today. Beautiful Texas and beyond. Cable Smith, welcome in each and every one of you to the Lone Star Outdoors show powered by Dallas Safari Club. That is the Star Spangled Banner, and when it plays, you stand up, put your hand over your heart, take your hat off, and pay respect to what it means to be a citizen in the land of the free, home of the brave. And you know what? You should take pride, the utmost pride, in having the opportunity to stand for that national anthem. The fact that these idiots in the NFL are choosing to make a spectacle of this, make it all about themselves, because really, what is a, a guy who's making $15 million a year doing? Nothing. He's drawing attention to himself. He's not doing a damn thing. And the flag has nothing to do with police brutality, if you want to know the truth. That flag is a symbol of fear for other countries. Because historically, if you've ever <laughs> seen that flag coming, in a major war, you're going to lose. Also, if you're in a time of need and you see that flag, you're emboldened because it gives you a sense of hope. And to turn that flag into a spectacle and make it something that it isn't is the greatest sign of disrespect I, I've ever seen, to be honest with you. It infuriates me. Both my grandfathers served in World War II, as did, I'm sure, many of your fathers and grandfathers, uncles. Many of our listeners have served in, in Desert Storm in Iraq and Afghanistan. And if you're listening to this show, then I, I bet that you probably agree with me. And, you know, if we lose listeners or followers over, over it, then so be it. I don't really care. Uh, it is what it is. I'm proud to be an American. And it is utterly disgraceful to see what's going on uh, in our country right now. That being said, rant over. I had to get that off my chest. Let's talk some outdoors hunting fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies is what we're about to get into. And we've got a great show lined up for you today. So pull up that stool a little closer to the campfire here. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of granddaddy's beat-up bowl thermos because we're ready to rock and roll. And off the top, we'll talk some bass fishing with one of my favorite Elite Series pros, the great Brent Ayler, will be here. Uh, had a great season on the Elite Tour Narrowly missing out on a Bassmaster Classic title, uh, but we're going to talk some fall bass patterns as temperatures are dropping. The big girls are putting on that feed sack, so Brent will tell us uh, three of his favorite baits for you know that transition period between 
late September and early October. Uh, then we will be joined by our old friend Greg Pavor of Pavor Outdoors, somewhat of a regular guest on the show. But uh, today's discussion, <laughs> something very unfortunate happened to Greg here recently. He got tagged on his front porch at the lodge there in Seymour, uh, tagged by a baby rattlesnake. It actually hit him twice, and <laughs> the nightmare that ensued actually could have been a lot worse for Greg. Uh, he's making a recovery. He's not completely out of the woods from a pain standpoint, uh, but he'll give us the do's and don'ts on what actions or steps you should take if you get tagged by a rattlesnake. He did some great things. Uh, he did some stuff that the doctors told him in hindsight, hey, you probably shouldn't have done that. Uh, also, we'll talk about anti-venom. You will not believe how expensive <laughs> it is. I'm telling you what. Jeez. Uh, it's mind-blowing, uh, but we'll get into that. And then, uh, you know, there's a program that resulted from a two-year-old toddler getting bitten, and she actually died from a rattlesnake bite. Uh, but her parents are responsible for setting up this program in Texas. I hope it takes off in other states, too, because it was instrumental in the hospital having the antivenom that Greg needed. Uh, so he'll explain that as well. And then we'll wrap up today's broadcast by talking some waterfowling with Ralph Nauman. He is the CEO, one of the founders of Heavy Shot Ammo. And so a little duck hunting discussion coming at you here at the bottom of the hour. We'll also give away a box of the uh, Heavy X brand new ammo that Heavy Shot put out this fall for this fall. Uh, so that is what is coming up on today's show. Should be a good one. A uh, couple other things. Don't forget that our September photo of the month contest still going on this is your last weekend to get in your favorite hunting or fishing photo for a chance to win a lone star outdoors show cooler filled with goodies uh from my grab bag so it could be broadheads could be uh, a trail camera i don't know we'll just have to see but email me your best hunting or fishing photo lone star outdoors show at gmail.com better yet post it on our facebook or instagram page tag us use that uh, lsos photo contest hashtag on Instagram and we'll get you entered and then our 12 monthly winners at the end of the year will square off for a chance to hunt trophy access deer or black buck with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas uh, okay, we got a lot to get into today uh, so let's take a break coming up next we're talking fall largemouths with uh, lead series angler Brent Adler right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show still Calling sweet Maria, can you hear me? Hey y'all, Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters. And whether you want to bow hunt hogs or get after them with thermal imaging and night vision, under the cover of darkness, Three Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields. Or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand, wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3curl.com to book your next hog hunt. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. 
For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H's in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Howdy, this is Robert Earl Keen, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Up this morning, before the sun, fixed me some coffee and a honey bun. Jumped in the pickup, gave her the gas, I'm going out to catch a five-pound. Five-pound bass. Robert Earl Keen bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club, Cable Smith, riding shotgun with you guys and gals. Thank you so much for being here today, as uh, we're all set to talk a little bass fishing amidst, and this is the great thing, amidst all of the hunting that is going on, those big girls are putting on the feed sacks, and they are hungry. So we'll chunk some crankbaits here momentarily with our old friend and Elite Series Pro, Brent Ayler. Uh, But first, this segment of the program is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader and big game conservation. We'd love to have you get plugged in with this group of folks who are passionate about three things. Hunter's rights, education, and conservation. So to join our ranks, go to biggame.org. All right, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest. Uh, Joining us now all the way from California, one of my favorite pros on the Elite Series and all-around nice guy, Brent Ayler, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, so I guess now that the season has ended, first of all, what do you take away from 2017? And you, know, you had a strong 11th place finish in the Angler of the Year standing, so pretty solid season overall. It was. You know, I, I can't complain. I, I had a couple good ones. I had a couple bad ones. But, you know, I put myself into contention to win a, a few tournaments this year, and that's really what I lacked. The the you know, the year prior, I just never, or even just with bass in general, since I started with them, I just never really had that one tournament where I really felt like I could win mm-hmm. and never really put myself in that position. So I was at least happy to do that. I never got the win, but at least, you know, you put yourself in position enough times, you know, at some point it's going to happen. So I was happy about that. I had a couple of close calls and, uh, you know, overall it was a great year and I'm going to the classic. So, yeah. Uh, it could be a lot worse. Right, right. Yeah, well, and you had a second-place finish in Texas on Sam Rayburn. Uh, I did, yeah. 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 <laughs> it barely lost to, to Brandon, and he had obviously had a great season. Um, yeah. But, uh, oh, and then the Classic, man. I thought she had that one. We actually ate lunch uh, on Media Day together, and then yep. I was there on Lake Conroe, and you know, I was following along the live bass tracker and everything, and you were killing it. Uh, 
I know you were leading after day one, and were I don't remember if you were in first or second after day two, but you were, man, you were so close. It was close. Yeah, I let it for two days, yeah. and then uh, just I didn't catch him on the third day, and unfortunately didn't win. And uh, you know, I really felt like I had the opportunity to do it. I did have the bites to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't need much that last day to you know to actually win. I did have the bites to do it you know, day two and three to get there. And it just, you know, just didn't happen, but yeah, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, unfortunately that's just part of the deal is that you have to take the good with the bad. Sometimes you catch them, sometimes it's easy. And, you know, sometimes everything goes wrong and sometimes, sometimes just enough things go wrong that you don't actually, you know, get that victory. So, well, I mean, you, uh, you got to have thick skin. Yeah. And you could always, you know, you always want to win, but you're fishing against the best bass fisherman in the world, and he finished third. So, I mean, yeah, take take that true. away from that experience. That's uh, true. <laughs> so, is it break time now, or are you doing major league fishing? Or uh, it's almost over. I I have one MLS event next month, uh-huh. and then I'm completely done for the season, fishing wise. Um, I have a couple promo things that I'm going to do um, for sponsors, you know, leading up to the end of the year, but. Uh, tournament stuff i'm i'll be completely done after i finish this uh, last mls event right on right on but and, and you told me off the air you took a trip up to the dakotas and kentucky uh before you made it back home to california what was going on in the dakotas i ran over there uh to go look around lake oahe where we're going next year uh for the elite uh from uh, Mill Lacks over there was about seven hours, and I, I just I knew I wasn't gonna have a chance to run up there next year, so I just wanted to go get a lay of the land. You know, just go run the lake and look at it, and and just see what it was like. I, I mean, it's a completely different time. Our tournament is in June. I'm there in September. You know, so it was. I'm not trying to find anything there mm-hmm. that I'm gonna use when I get back, but I just want to know what's up or down there. You know. Sure. Uh, sure. That's just part of you know, learning the body of water, it just, it takes a long time and it's a giant lake. Uh, you can run a long ways. I, I have a feeling it's going to fish small. The, uh, the wind is going to be a major, major factor there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the Dakota, it's in South Dakota. There is, you know, nothing taller than about 50 feet for miles and miles and miles and miles around there. So when the wind blows, huh. nothing slows it down. It just rips there. Wow. And uh, I I foresee at least one, if not more, days being canceled because of wind. Wow. Um, you know, I was there for a day and a half, and it blew 20 one day, and it blew 35 the next day. So, you know, when it's blowing 30 miles an hour, you can't fish a tournament there. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. It, uh you know, I mean, even if they let us go, the unfortunately, the part about that is I don't think that anything's really fishable, um, even hiding in bays. With it blowing 30 miles an hour, I just don't think you can fish for, for how, from what I saw. Yeah. Because literally, there's nothing blocking the wind there. I mean, it's just, it just has free roam to go wherever it wants. Oh, God. Well, I mean, it's just a casual <laughs> angler who's not a tournament fisherman. Uh, if I walk outside and the wind's blowing 15, I'm like, ah, we'll go fishing tomorrow, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, so so pretty much break time for you other than the one MLF event. Uh, I know you told me you like to do a little elk hunting. Do you have a, do you have that on the calendar for this fall? 
You know, I'm trying to go. I have not actually gone elk hunting yet. I'm trying. I'm actually building a rifle right now. In fact, that reminds me, I need to touch base with the guy and see where we're at on the build. Um, I would love to go and shoot an elk. That's just something that, that I've always wanted to do. I'm, I'm, you know, building this long range rifle right now that, uh, is something that I kind of want to get into. I'm not have a lot of guns. I've shot a lot of guns, but I don't have a, a true thousand plus yard gun. And so I'm, I'm trying to build one right now and hmm. I'd like to go and shoot an elk with it. And, uh, you know, fill up my freezer for sure. Well, those uh, California folks that you hang out with are going to ostracize you, man. <laughs> I know, really. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I guess I'm kind of uh, an odd Californian. I guess I don't know. I well, think, good uh, one. I think you're I one of the. Probably live the, in Texas. <laughs> there's some good ones left, but it's just, uh, there's a few and far between. Um, okay. Well, what I what I really wanted to uh, transition to now is some early to mid fall patterns. You know, what are bass doing as temperatures start to drop? You know, whether you're in Texas mm-hmm. or probably not is it's probably doesn't have that profound of effect in california but um for the rest it of the, does okay it, do, it does across the board but you know uh-huh. texas i really like you know and i'll i'll you know we have some similar fisheries in a sense that we have reservoir we have rock um in california that you know i can relate to a lot of places in texas so what i really like to do is fish typically start to roam they get out and they tend to wolf pack up they tend to slide back up shallow and start feeding and to me it's a shad based feed so they're really keying in on shad in the fall you know mm-hmm. they're trying to bulk up for the winter and to me it's two baits two two well i'm going to do three baits actually uh, one is a top water and a walking bait and i like a gunfish 115 that lake craft makes it's a bait that you can cover a lot of water with and I've done very well fishing desert lakes uh, on the Colorado River. So Lake Mead, Mojave, Havasu. Um, Lake Mead is so similar to an Amistad. It's, it, I mean, if, if you were dropped in the middle of the lake, it fishes exactly the same. The terrain looks very similar, but they fish almost identical. Mm-hmm. So uh, top water is one that I'm going to cover water with. I'm going to fish points pockets backs of creeks i'm going to fish everything with it until i kind of figure figure out where they are uh the other two baits are a jerk bait and a crank bait and to me a jerk bait right now is either going to be a slender pointer 112 or 127 based on the size of bait so if we we're in texas i'd probably throw the 112 mm-hmm. um unless you were on like a sam raver and when i was there for uh, the bass event this year, I caught them on the 127, which is a little bit bigger bait. Sure. Um, sure. But it's a three-hooked jerk bait. A lot of times the fish tend to come up and slap at it. The other thing I like about it is it has three hooks on it. You get in a wolf pack, your odds of a double are pretty good. Hmm. Um, you, know, you have one come up and get it. You have a whole school chasing it in. They're trying to get the bait away from it, and your odds are pretty good at getting that, that double hook up. So. Um, that's the one bait and I'm going to fish a lot of the same water that I'm going to fish the top water points, pockets, flats, just covering water with it and trying to figure out where they are. And, uh, I also use that as a follow-up bait to the gunfish. So if I get in an area and they're biting the gunfish and they shy off of it, or if they're coming up and looking at the gunfish and not biting it, 
then I immediately go to the jerk bait. So if I get in an area and I'm catching them on the, on the, the gunfish and they stop biting it, I can usually pick up several more with a jerk bait that just didn't want to commit to the top water. Mm-hmm. So I'm using that as a backup bait to, uh, you know, to that top water. And the third bait for me is a Lucky Craft 1.5 um, in a shad color. Now you're speaking my, my language. I like to just throw a crankbait. It might, I might be just yeah. lazy, but <laughs> you know. No, and it's it's such an effective bait, such an effective tool. Um, you know, especially in Texas, you have a lot of rock. Um, to me, in the fall, I I love that jerk or the the crankbait that 1.5. I think the fish slide up shallow. I think they really get in that less than five foot zone or less than eight foot zone and really feed on shad. Mm-hmm. Um, so that crankbait is such a good way to cover water. Now for me, you know, if I was to get dropped on a lake without any prior knowledge, I would probably pick that up first and start running rock, mm-hmm. you know, hard targets. Like windblown um, points or? Yeah, points, riprap, mm-hmm. um, just any natural rock. Um, docks, if there's docks, you know, fish the corners of the docks with the, with the 1.5. It's just something that's, it's such a good bait. I mean, that's actually my favorite bait in the fall. Hmm. Uh, I fish it here in California. You know, when I'm home, I fish it uh, across the country. Uh, we had an MLF event in uh, north of Dallas several years ago, and we fished grapevine. We fished. I remember. Uh, it was cold. It was a little chilly. Um, I can't remember the lakes we fished, but. I mean, I, I pretty much made the cut. I made the finals because of a 1.5, and then I caught fish in the finals on the 1.5. But that was my number one bait that I used. I mean, I caught so many fish on it. And it's just, you know, when you fish multiple lakes and you pull up and they just, you start throwing that 1.5 out there and they're biting, and it's hard to put it down. So yeah. a very effective bait and uh, works well in Texas. I've caught a lot of fish in Texas on it. So what color? by far, that's probably... Uh, Pearl Threadfin is my favorite. Okay. Uh, across the board, it's just it's such a good natural shad color. Uh, you can use it in clear water. You can use it in dirty water. It doesn't matter. They just seem to like that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to talk about two other things as far as when you're throwing the crankbait, what kind of line you you know you've got uh, it tied onto, and then the uh, the technique as far as retrieval speed. Uh, gotcha. Here. I throw it on 16-pound Sunline FC Sniper fluorocarbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, you know, that's – I would – not necessarily on the heavy side. It's it's on the heavy side for me, but it's – I don't like going less than that because if you're beating it up around rocks or if there's laydowns or timber or, you know, stumps, you want heavier line when that thing's crashing through there. Um so I run 16 pound and to me, the retrieve is really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to fish it pretty fast and make multiple casts at target. So if there's a single lay down or a single stump or a bigger rock on a rock bank, it's something that I'm going to make repeated cast to one spot and speed to me is the key. You want to wind that thing fast to where they don't have time to decide if it's real or not. You also want that thing to crash into whatever target is there, whether it's rock, stump, whatever it is. You want to crash into it and deflect uh, really strong off of it. That's what triggers those strikes. So Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. a pretty fast speed. I mean, I'm not burning it, but I'm not, it's not a medium retrieve. It's a fast retrieve. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me ask you one more thing. As far as uh, monofilament, does, does anyone even use that anymore? Uh, guys still do. Uh, I don't, yeah. uh, but I know some people do. I, I have heard that it is more effective if you're fishing in timber. Yeah. Um, you know, well, timber, I'm, I'm saying wood, um, lay down stumps. Uh, I think that, you know, from my understanding, your odds of landing a fish are better if you hook them and it wraps you around the stump on a monofilament than you are with fluorocarbon. Sure. I don't really know. I always run fluorocarbon. Right. Uh, it, <laughs> I don't have any so mono. Good. I mean, I think I, you know, I probably only have four or five rod and reels in the garage, but uh, none of them have monofilament on it. And, you know, growing up as a I kid, know. that's all we used was monofilament. So. Yep. I um, know. I know. I, I remember when I started, that's all I used to. So. Yeah. yeah. Fluorocarbon is so effective that I think it's just, you know, I think it's just taking over. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Well, cool, man. Well, hey, it's uh, it's always great to visit with you, my friend. Congrats on a hell of a season, and uh, Thank you. obviously pulling for you to uh, get that. I mean, you murdered it on the FLW tour, and uh, and then I think you were, you know, uh, you coming. I don't want to say that's the minor leagues because it's not. There's great anglers there, but obviously the elites are the elites, and it's a little more competitive, I guess. Um, pulling for you to have a great. Uh, 2018 season and and who knows what will happen in the uh, upcoming classic but hey at least you don't have to worry about qualifying so yeah yeah exactly the the uh yeah everything's good now I'm good to go and ready to go fish the classic so yeah, yeah i do appreciate it and then uh yeah you know we'll see you at the classic all right man well hey always great to talk with you and, and we'll do it again soon you as well thank you i appreciate it all right our good friend brent ayler uh Hell of a season, finished 11th, like we said, in the Angler of the Year, and then a third-place finish at the Classic, and a second place on Sam Rayburn at Texas Fest. Uh, so a great season, and truly one of the, the nicest guys on the Elite Series. Uh, been friends with Brent for some time now, and uh, run into him about twice a year at ICAST and, and at the Classic, and he's always eager to uh, to visit and, and let me pick his brain on, on uh, all things bass fishing, so... Uh, that segment, by the way, brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue, where you can stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, including the newest Rudy's in front of the Cabela's in Allen, Texas, Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue. And by the way, for those of y'all who live outside of Texas, uh, I know plenty of you guys are proud of your barbecue as well. The Carolinas are a barbecue hotspot, uh, Memphis, um, Kansas City. I just like an overall, I like to mix it all up. I like the Texas sauce. I like to take the uh, slaw and put it on my pulled pork sandwich, wild boar sandwich. And I think that uh, I think that is a Memphis tradition, if I'm not mistaken. But it is tough to beat good barbecue. And, and I like to use Rudy's sauce on all of my wild game uh, barbecue preparations. And they have the, uh, the regular Rudy sauce and the sissy sauce, for those of you who can't handle the heat. Well, let's take a break. Up next, we're going to talk rattlesnake bites. What are you supposed to do if you get tagged? Oh, my buddy Greg Pavor of Pavor Outdoors now has firsthand information as, unfortunately, he was hit twice by a western diamondback about a month ago. So throughout his ordeal, he has acquired a ton of knowledge on all things rattlesnakes and their venom. And we'll get into that next right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Maybe it's not enough. Maybe it's all that I got Maybe it's forever 
Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Howdy friends, Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. What I want to make That Christmas day Now she's got the kisses of a thousand angels And the bite of a rattlesnake There's a little American aquarium rattlesnake Bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show Brought to you by Dallas Safari Club Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Powerful Harris. I'm Cable Smith. Uh, thank you for being here with me today as we are all set to get snake bit here with our good friend Greg Pavor of Pavor Outdoors. We're glad he's still alive because uh, he actually did just get snake bit a few weeks ago, about a month ago now. But uh, before we talk snake bites and snake bite care, this segment of the show is brought to you by Pulsar. Check out the new Pulsar Trail if you're in the market for a thermal optic. This scope is a game changer. The rechargeable lithium battery with the 12-hour lifespan and then, of course, the internal recording option. Uh, those are two of my favorite features. It's the Pulsar Trail, and you can find it at PulsarNV.com. All right, well, let's go ahead and bring Greg on. Um uh, He's not just a longtime friend of the show, but he is a longtime hunting and fishing buddy of mine. And I've told you all the story before, but he was a senior in high school. I was a senior in college, and we met uh, looking at teal decoys at an academy in Denton, Texas. And ever since then, uh, we became fast friends, and <laughs> we've made quite a few memories hunting and fishing all over the great state of Texas. So without further ado, let's bring him on right now. Greg? My friend, it's great to have you on, man. Yeah, Cable, always always good talking with you, you know. Yeah. I can't wait to hear some more hunting stories <laughs> coming along with hunting season starting up from you. Yeah, well, while I was uh, killing an elk in Colorado, you were busy getting bit by a rattlesnake, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw you were gone somewhere, and, and I've been laid up in the hospital yeah. and seen your pictures. <laughs> yeah. well, uh -huh. well, we're going to talk about that today because we've had... Uh, we've had folks ask us in the past, hey, do a segment on snake bites, what to do. And we've covered it kind of just vaguely. Uh, but now that one of my best friends got bit by one, hell, we got a great resource here. So, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's been too pleasurable, I'll tell you that. No, that's a good no. experience. But, but no, Greg, <laughs> at the end of the day, better you than me, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you'll learn from me. <laughs> well, that's the hope, anyway, that uh, people will, you know, uh, learn from... 
it was an honest mistake. It's not like you were out trudging through the turkey woods without your boots on. Uh, but we'll, and we'll, that's the crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. But I imagine this is kind of how most uh, snake bites happen, and and I'll let you tell us uh, how it actually occurred. But before you do that, you are your your lodge, your ranch is there in Seymour, Texas. Uh, how many rattlesnakes do you see on average every year? You know, I really don't go looking for them, but um, I am in the heart of rattlesnake country, mm-hmm. and you know, I might kill two or three. Um, around the shop and the place and, and maybe, you know, six to eight a year. Yeah. But like I say, you know, I don't go out looking for them, looking for the dens and stuff. But I got a neighbor across the road uh, about a half a mile down, and he says he kills 20 or 30 a year. Wow. Um, but there's, you know, the past year, and the, um, the rattlesnake population seems like it's just gone crazy. With the rains, you know, you got a spike with the mice population, the rat population, all the small mammals mm-hmm. have gone crazy, and all the rattlesnakes I've killed um, in the past couple of years just been really big, fat, healthy. Mm. Right. Well, and I imagine, and we see the same thing with like bobcats and coyotes. Uh, shoot, that bobcat that we cooked up uh, at your place <laughs> last year. You know, I yep. mean, I shot uh-huh. that bobcat, and it was. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was stocking quail at the feeder. Well, the quail were, you know, back to a robust population. Same with the rabbits. And so then, like you said, the snakes and the predators, they all kind of... Everything benefits. Yeah, they all ride that wave as well. Um, mm-hmm. So when you're usually out on the ranch, do you have on some kind of snake boot? You know, I wear high-top boots. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Going out when I'm out in the pastures, I'm out working and stuff. I wear jeans, I wear high top boots and steel toe boots. Um, and you know, I'm always on the lookout for rattlesnakes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But so when you got bit, I'll let you talk about that because I, I don't. I think it was just, you know, in the evening on your porch. Well, um, I kind of tell you the story. Um, I was inside my house. It was about ten o'clock at night. And you've seen my lodge, you know, I'm up kind of on a higher ground. I could see storms way off in the distance and uh, coming. So, you know, the lightning shows are pretty cool. And it was just pouring down rain. And I had my lights on the front porch. It's all concrete. And I wanted to go outside and see how much it was raining. And so I put my sandals on and walked right out the door, you know, Mm-hmm. 20 feet out the door, I was looking at the rain and the storms and not looking right where I was walking. And I stepped on a 10-inch rattlesnake, a baby. And oh. since I stepped on it, it struck me twice in the arch of my foot. Oh, God. Um, and uh, when I looked down and, you know, to be honest with you, the bite did not hurt at all. I just felt like something hit my foot, like you got poked by a cactus or something. I looked down, saw the rattlesnake. I didn't have anything really on my porch to kill it. I had just a tennis shoe, and I grabbed the tennis shoe and and killed it with my tennis shoe and hmm. and grabbed him. You know, he's only 10 inches, and put him in the tennis shoe and jumped in my truck and then drove to the hospital uh, as fast as I could in Seymour. How far away was and, the, is the hospital, Greg? I got really lucky, and the hospital was not far. It's about 15, 10, 15 minutes away. And the hospital had 
um, the anti-venom for rattlesnakes, but I did bring in the snake to show them, you know, it is definitely a rattlesnake that bit me. Yeah. And a lot of times that can be the wrong thing to do is try to kill the snake because, and I'll get more into this later, but you want to get to the hospital as quickly as possible. Time is number one. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I got to the hospital, they put IVs in both my arms and and got the antivenom in me as quickly as possible. A lot of people, you know, when you first get bit by a rattlesnake, a lot of people are like, well, do you suck the venom out? Do you put a tourniquet around your leg? Uh, do you elevate the leg? All these different things um, that people wonder about. And to be honest with you, what the doctors have told me and stuff, the best thing to do, if at all possible, get to the nearest hospital as quick as possible. And the best thing to do is if you're driving to the hospital, call that hospital and tell them that you got bit by a rattlesnake. And for one, make sure that they have the anti-venom mm -hmm. because some rural hospitals might not have it. Luckily, you know, I'm in rattlesnake country, so these rural hospitals do carry the anti-venom of most of them, you know, there are some that don't, but, um, through the patent project, um, these rural hospitals in 2010, the patent project started and it started from a female toddler playing on a playground out by uh, Possum Kingdom Lake hmm. and she got bit and died. And so, this patent project got started to educate the public and to raise money for rural hospitals to have the anti-venom on hand. Wow. Because the anti-venom is so expensive and the shelf life is not real long. So if the rural hospitals have the anti-venom and not using it, they're out of that money. They need people and to get so, bit, damn it. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, well, it, you know it's it, it's crazy, but you know it's just just how it works. Yeah, no, that's um, unfortunate. So I got fortunate that Seymour Hospital had the anti venom for me, and what they did is that they gave me um, six vials as soon as I got there. Mm -hmm. um, so when I got, when I knew I got bit, I drove myself to the hospital. I stayed real calm. That's the worst thing you could do is panic. And um, and start worrying because as soon as you start panicking and doing things, you get your blood going faster, and you don't want your blood circulation to get higher than what it already is. Probably why they don't want you to exert energy killing the snake, huh? Yes. Yeah. So and, that, and going back to that, you know, doing things to your foot or, or leg or wherever you got bit or killing the snake, that's all time loss. Yeah. Because when they gave me that anti-venom, how the anti-venom works, it's called Crofab. And Crofab was approved by the USDA in 2000. Hmm. And there's only one manufacturer in the whole United States that makes this Crofab. And the neat thing about the Crofab is for three um, snake bites. It's good for rattlesnakes, water moskins, and copperheads. So if you get bit by one of those three snakes, you're going to get crowfab. And the crowfab, how it's made, is a lot of people are asking me, you know, think of anti-venom when you go to the hospital, you're getting venom from the snake. Well, that is not the case. Hmm. So what 
So what they're doing now with the CROFAB is they are injecting sheep and horses. Mine came from a sheep, and they inject the sheep with all three snake venoms. Hmm. And they monitor that sheep, and over several weeks, they keep injecting the sheep with the venom, and then when the sheep or horse has created the antibodies to fight against that venom is when they draw the blood from the sheep and then they separate the plasma. They use that and, and put it in vials um, for so they can use it for a longer period of time. Hmm. They freeze-dry that so the hospitals have the freeze-dried venom. And it takes time to prepare, and it's a specific process. And as soon as they start preparing the anti-venom to give to someone, it has to be used pretty much immediately over four hours and within the four hours. Hmm. Okay. And it takes an hour to um, infuse that through an IV into your system. So typical protocol, according to the snake bite, um, I got six vials in one hour infused over one hour. Um, a lot of people, the doctor was saying these severe snake bites you see of horror stories and this and that. A lot of that's old school, 20, 30 years ago. And then also nowadays, um, if you don't go into the hospital right away, if you wait several hours or go the next day. They can. That's when people are starting to see the bad cases because how the crofab works is that that crofab antivenom bonds to the to the snake venom wherever you are bit, hmm. and that bonds with the venom and and stops the venom from spreading, and so any it does not do any it cannot reverse any damage so whatever damage that has been done up to the point that you got the antivenom is done mm -hmm. so if you wait till the next day or anything that's all non-reversible mm -hmm. so that's why it's important to get to the hospital and get that antivenom in you as that's when your chances of possible. getting like uh you know big parts of your body that have rotting flesh increase i guess Yes, and yes, you know, even the doctor and the nurses, told, they told me they haven't seen any of that in like 10 years or so. It's huh. really rare. Okay. This CROFAB is so good that they don't see, I asked them, I said, am I going to get any rotting flesh or, or tissue damage or lack of movement in my foot? Um, you know, you know, what, what do I need to expect? Hmm. And they said, since you got to the hospital so quickly, this new CROFAB in the past, you know, up, you know, decade or two is so good that they don't see those symptoms anymore. Mm. I, I uh, guess which I haven't awesome. seen it either. Yeah, but I have seen it in in hunting dogs quite a few times. They don't obviously get the same level of treatment that humans do. Yes, in in hunting dogs, that is a lot different. Yeah. Um, the, the process um, than what humans get in just one vial. Just tell you, okay, one vial of anti-venom is six thousand dollars holy moly and you got okay. six of them right off the bat so you're in for 36 grand I got six, <laughs> the first vial. so what they do is they give you six they gave me six vials in an hour hmm. infused in in my um iv and they put me up to a breathing machine they had an iv in both of my arms 
and they give you that um, the crofab, and then after that first dosage, that first hour, they wait six hours to see um, your body's response to the crofab, and then after that uh, response, if if you know if you're not responding too terribly bad to it or having bad symptoms, they start giving you more dosage um, up to 18 hours. Hmm. So they gave me 22 vials of anti-venom. So yeah, do 6,000 times 22. <laughs> you know, so they gave me 22 vials in an 18-hour period. And then after 18 hours, they wait another six hours, then draw your blood. So they draw your blood when I first got to the hospital. Gave me all the vials of antivenom mm-hmm. that they thought that they needed to give me. They monitor my foot. They monitor the swelling. They do measurements of my leg, my foot. Um, and then after that 18 hours, and they get the blood work. They draw more blood, look at my blood work. And if everything is going in a good direction and the numbers are where they want, then they stop giving me the anti-venom and start monitoring me. So, well, luckily they, that was only $132,000 worth of anti-venom. <laughs> That's just the anti-venom. That's not all the painkillers. Okay, Greg. Well, man, I'm certainly uh, enjoying the conversation, not enjoying the fact that you got bit by a rattlesnake, but uh, I think it's very educational for our audience as far as, you know, what they're supposed to do if they get bit. Uh, still a lot more I want to get into, though, as far as the how the recovery has gone, you know, what the doctors told you, the do's and don'ts. Um, also, I'm kind of curious to know if you're immune to rattlesnakes at this point in time after $132,000 worth of anti-venom. So uh, are you cool to stick around for another segment? You bet. You bet. Okay, it would be great to still talk to you, and, and hopefully, you know, what I have to say helps helps other people. Perfect. And it certainly has the potential to do so, Greg. So uh, we'll keep, we'll continue the conversation here momentarily. That segment brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of me. All my trophy mounts for a, a long freaking time, let's just say that. Uh, from black bear to speckled trout, white-tailed, turkey, exotic, you name it. If it's going on the wall, they're taking care of it for me. And they do amazing work, fast turnaround time, and offer great quality. They've got shops in Marion and San Antonio, and you can find them at gr8mounts.com. That's gr8mounts.com. We'll continue talking snake bites with our friend Greg Pavor up next right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. I'm sailing away today. I just can't In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. 
Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Me and my friend Jerry called a western diamond back. Didn't make much trouble once we got her in the sack. We drove back to Jerry's house and found that recipe. Drown the snake in mezcal and the rest is history. Rattlesnake Tequila, one of my favorites there from Brian Burns, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm Cable Smith, and you are a fellow outdoorsman or woman, and so I am certainly glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in this week as we are still visiting with my longtime friend Greg Pavor, who got tagged two times by a 10-inch rattlesnake uh, just over a month ago now. And uh, we're going to jump back into it with Greg momentarily. But before we do that, this segment of the show brought to you by Horizon Firearms in College Station, Texas. Y'all have seen my Custom 7 mag. It's the one that I toted over to uh, South Africa. Just took it to Colorado, shot a nice bull elk with it. The thing is an absolute tack driver. When it comes to a custom rifle, it's everything I could have ever wanted and then some. Check them out for your next rifle build, Horizon Firearms. Dot com. Okay, uh, well, Greg, you know, before the break, we were talking about your unfortunate, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh there, but your unfortunate circumstances of getting bit by a rattlesnake. I was more laughing about the medical bill. Uh, you got 22 vials of antivenom there at the Seymour Hospital, which accounted, I think it was 130 something thousand dollars on just the antivenom alone. So well, actually, so I didn't tell you, so I went to Seymour. And since Seymour is a small hospital, they did not have enough anti-venom. So they had six vials to give me, and then they took me to Wichita Falls an hour away. And then that's where I stayed for a few days and got the rest of the anti-venom. Mm. Now, since these small towns, and I was telling you about the Peyton Project, how the small towns work is that when that ambulance took me to Wichita Falls, um, when they dropped me off, they would tell the hospital, well, we gave Greg six vials of antivenom. So when that ambulance goes back to Seymour, Wichita Falls Hospital gives the ambulance, will give them six vials of antivenom to mm. take back okay. for, you know, in case of someone else gets snake bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that kind of works. That's how that works with the antivenom. Um, cool because it has to be sure. stored, stored properly, and that patent project does help. Um, with the rural town hospital. Yeah. Well, um, Greg, let me ask you this. So you're driving yourself to the hospital. You know this is a bad deal. And you knew you got hit twice, right? No, I did not look at my foot. Okay. Um, To be honest with you, I looked down. I saw the rattlesnake. I felt something hit my foot, and I saw my foot bleeding. Yeah. So I knew the snake bit me because my foot was bleeding. Yeah. Um, so I when knew... did the pain start is my question. Yeah, well, um, it, it, I just knew that I got bit, and you get to the hospital as soon as possible. I stayed very calm, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I was watching the clock to monitor the, the time and the clock. In about 10 minutes, I, my, I just felt 
like you just got one of your sharpest knives that you clean your elk with or your your hogs and just start slowly shoving it in my foot. Oh my god. And and then, you know, it just went right up my leg and just felt like my whole body was shutting down. And right when I got to the hospital, you know, I just was so weak, my whole body was hurting. You know, they put me on oxygen, got you know, starts getting me some painkillers and um got the antivenom in me. Be honest with you, I definitely could not drive myself to the hospital if I did not leave as soon as I did, and if the hospital was not as you know, as wasn't as close as what it was. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, people would put tourniquets around their leg or do this and that. You you're losing that crucial time because yeah. the antivenom, like I say, it's you know, does not reverse any previous damage. And the doctors, I asked them, you know, I said, well, when I got into the hospital, I said, do you, there's a misconception. What do you do when you get snake bit? Do you keep your egg, I mean, your leg um, elevated, um, level with your heart, or mm-hmm. below below your heart? And the, and the doctor, the trauma doctor, um, told me, he said, with these snake bites, you need to keep your leg level with your heart. So when I was laying on the bed, he wanted me level. He didn't want me propping up my leg real high or having it below my heart because below the heart restricts blood flow. And then above your heart, we'll, we'll put too much blood flow and circulation hmm. going on to your heart. Hmm. So Good I kept it there. level, yeah. uh, level like he said. And, um, and it, you know, it was not a good experience because with that profab and with the uh, venom in your body, I was having chest pains and burning sensations, um, itching, swelling, you know, my legs swelled up, my whole leg and my foot, um, and my face too, you know, you, you know. Oh yeah, I saw the picture. Profab. You looked hideous to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my mom came and see me and I said, well, hey, the, you know, my, my priest came to saw me right before my mom and I said, hey mom, you know, my priest said that I'm a my face was pretty swollen, and she said, no, Greg, you just gained weight. <laughs> yeah, I said, oh, thanks, Mom. <laughs> Appreciate the kind words. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Man. But luckily, the swelling did go down. And <laughs> you know, it might have been an improvement. But, I don't know. Improvement. Uh... <laughs> well, so how long were you in the hospital, Greg? Well, I was in the hospital just for a few days, and um, they do – I asked them, you know, I said, well, how long do people stay in for, and, and what do they see? And they, you know, every victim in every case is different, but um, they say typically most people stay in for, you know, five days to a week. Hmm. I didn't have to stay in that long because everything was going fine. Yeah. Um, and believe it or not, they say that most victims do not go to the hospital as quickly as I did. And that's what really helped me out a lot. Hmm. I couldn't walk for a few weeks. I couldn't put pressure on my foot. I couldn't lift anything. And every time I put my foot down or try to apply pressure, just it just the burning and the pain was was so bad um, that you know it, it's horrible to yeah. lay up in bed. So you for a while. I saw like even a, a couple weeks after you were walking with a cane. So. Yeah, yeah, I was walking with the cane to try to loosen that pressure, and now, you know, I still can't fit my foot in, you know, a regular boot or a shoe. Um, I'm actually having to use a 
an old waiter boot. I cut off an old pair of waders, you know. <laughs> the waders are always oversized, mm-hmm. you know, and easy to slip in and out of. So that's actually what I'm using right now. Yeah. And um, got to put my leg up and rest it throughout the day. But um, but you're you know, back to business it, as usual because I saw last week you were fishing a tournament uh, on the Mississippi River, a catfishing tournament, and then this week you're back to your old ways of you know, uh, there's no, there's no days off in the guiding business. So you, you had, a, you no. had clients out there for some hog hunts already. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I, and, and, you know, gotta get back to, to work. And that's the thing is, you know, if you get bit, you're going to be out for a long time and it's going to be expensive. And I still haven't got my insurance bill, but I'm, uh, I'm sure the insurance companies are fighting over that right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a good experience. I always thought I'd get bit you know, eventually in my lifetime out in the field doing some sort of work or doing something, but not just right here on my front porch. And during that same week, the weather had changed and, um, it was all hot and then it started cooling off. We getting a lot of rain and, you know, the, the babies, um, have been dispersing during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my neighbors have seen a bunch on my floor of the hospital in Wichita Falls, they said they had no snake bite victims uh, that summer, and then that week there was three other people on that floor besides me, all from small snakes. Oh wow! And then during that week, the Abilene Emergency uh, Clinic had ten snake bites from baby rattlesnakes within 24 hours. Goodness gracious! Um, during that week. Wow. And, and so, so these are all yearling. I mean, these are just hatched this spring when they're 10 inches. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's, I do want to ask you this, and I'm sure the doctor told you, because a lot of people say if you get bit by a baby, it's worse than if you get bit by, say, a four-foot rattler because the babies don't know how to control their venom. So I don't know if that's yeah. accurate or, or not. Or Well, it, it's a little bit of a combination there. They don't know how to control, but um, the babies versus the adults – the adults have more venom, mm-hmm. but the babies have less venom, but it's higher concentrated. Uh, so the babies have a higher concentrated amount of venom. And also it depends on your situation with snake bite versus a shallow bite versus a deep bite. Mm-hmm. If you have a big, you know, if you have a bigger snake and um, that has bigger fangs and gets down in your meat, your area, wherever he bites you deeper, that is also worse than a shallow bite. Hmm. Um, but these the small snakes, they don't know how to control it because they're not educated. You know, they don't know what's a threat. Obviously, I kicked it, stepped on it. So, you know, that would make any snake mad. Mm-hmm. Um, or just react. I mean, he's just defending himself. React. Yeah. You betcha. Yeah. And, and, you know, I can't blame them. Um, you know, I would do the same thing if, you know, if I was a snake and someone stepped on me. Hell, I'd have bit but... you three times. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, you know, these, these different, you know, different uh, seasons and times of year, you know, the summer right now we got, you know, cooler weather and, um, you know, coming in always rains and with the snakes dispersing, um, you just got to watch out because they are small and they're not as easy to see. Mm-hmm. No, and and do the little ones uh, rattle? I mean, obviously he didn't rattle. You'd have heard it, but no, he didn't even have he had didn't even have one button on him. You know, just uh. a little 
little thing on the end of his tail. Yeah. But, um, mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, overall, pretty uh, unfortunate circumstance for you, but I'm glad that you're back on your feet, my friend, and that you're able to come on here and help educate folks regarding, you know, number one, what to do if you do get bit, because you seem to do everything right as far as getting to the hospital in a, in a timely manner. Uh, not messing around with, and you hear all these different things like, oh, we have to put a tourniquet on it, or uh, like you said, elevate your foot, this, that, and the other. But I, like you said, can't reiterate enough that time is the most important thing. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, and calling the hospital too, you know, when you're on your way to the hospital, if it's small roar or anything, you know, call them and make sure they have it. Because mm-hmm. if you're in a small town, they might not have it. Okay. okay, so even if you get bit in the backcountry, there's really no, there's nothing to do except for just try to get to the hospital as fast as you can. Um, now, Greg, you've been bit, obviously. So as far as your immunities go, you talked about how these sheep and horses and stuff that they test the uh, the antivenom on, how they build up an immunity to it. Their body fights it and builds up these antibodies. Is your body now uh, immune to... Uh, a subsequent rattlesnake bite? No, no. If I, if I got bit again, it'd be the same uh, same thing. I would not. I'm not immune, or have uh, the process would not be any better. Hmm. To really become hyper immune to rattlesnakes, um, or say water moskins or or copperheads, um, through through the research. Um, uh, you do have to inject yourself with small amounts of the venom every 21 days. <laughs> um, uh, for I'm good. You, for yourself, <laughs> yeah, right, for yourself to really build up the antibodies. <laughs> and you hear about some of these people um, being immune um, to snakes and stuff. But that's a very long and intensive process for, you to, for your body to build up the antibodies. So, so no, um, if I got bit again, it'd start all over just the same thing. The doctor was telling me in the early stage of the first week or two, it's very important that I don't make any fast movements or, you know, when he sent me home, he said, don't lift anything heavy, make sure nothing falls on your foot or leg. Uh, don't have anything cut, cut you because the crow fab, you know, bonds with the venom. And so if anything happens to my foot, those bonds with the crofab to the venom could can release hmm. and break. Hmm. And then the whole process would start over again. Wow. And he says, I said, well, how would I be able to tell? He said, oh, well, your foot would go really swollen and, and you know, start getting red and blue and purple again. Hmm. And, um, and you, you just rush to the hospital again. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, you know, it's like, he releases me from the hospital, and I'm making sure nothing happens to my leg. <laughs> yeah. Well, so are you, <laughs> you know? back to, you know, I mean, I know your foot probably still hurts a little bit, but are you out of the woods as far as that all, you know, that whole situation is concerned? The breaking of the bonds, yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep, they say I'm, uh, that, that is, you know, important for the first week or two. But, um, and they did, I went to a follow-up visit last week. Um, and they said everything's looking good and I can start, you know, slowly lifting heavy things and, um, but the swelling and, uh, the pain could last up to two, three months. They've seen some people for five months discomfort. Mm. Um, 
But, wow. you know, sometimes I'll feel my leg, you know, it feels like it's just on fire. And then one day it'll be fine. The next day I'll have chest pains and stuff. But hmm. um, it's just kind of weird. It's it's definitely um, weird. Never experienced anything like it. Um, it's been, what, about a month now? or? Yeah, yeah, about four weeks. Um, and still got my good days and bad days. Um, but it's, it's going in a good direction. So I'm just thankful for, for that crow fab and, and I wasn't in the backwoods, you know, like you were saying, uh, situation wise, it really couldn't have been any better, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, we're certainly glad that you got bit so that you could come and on and and talk to us about it. I'm just kidding, Greg. We're glad that you're okay, man. (laughs) Don't mess with them, man. I'm telling you, for one, golly, it's expensive. I haven't got my insurance bill, but just the pain and discomfort and being really knocked out, man. I mean, it put me a month behind. Yeah. For three three weeks at least, I just couldn't, couldn't do nothing. Yeah. Oh. And now just slowly starting to be able to do things, and um, it, it is scary. Mm-hmm. Well, if anybody wants to uh, book a hunt with a hop-along guide service, where can they find you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I sure got that nickname from a lot of people, let me tell you. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I do, do, you know, getting back up into the guiding hunts and fishing trips, and, you know, I had some people out here this week, and, they killed five pigs and, um, you know, nice. looking at a really good season for deer and ducks and hogs. Everything's looking real good this year. And it's uh, poutdoors.com? Yep, poutdoors.com. Uh, or they can give me a call at 940-206-6375 if they like talking anything about hunting or fishing or, or yeah, just want to know anything more about rattlesnakes <laughs> right and uh and greg's got uh, good facebook and instagram pages as well pavore outdoors y'all can find him there hey man we are glad that you were back on your feet that was a scary deal when you sent me that text i was like holy crap i, I said i didn't say crap i said something else but uh, <laughs> I, we're just uh we're glad that yeah. you pulled through of it through it and and are you know on the on the other side now so i appreciate cable um yep i gotta get better because i want to i'm looking forward to the hog and duck hunting with you here this this winter yeah january mm-hmm. we got it on the books yep well yes sir well we'll talk to you before that i'm sure man take care greg and we'll do cool. it again soon all right thanks a lot cable all right there he goes our good friend greg pavor of pavor outdoors and that segment by the way brought to you by the all-new drive over chalk whether you're hauling an atv four-wheeler golf cart jeep or otherwise the drive over chalk protects your investment. It's so easy. You screw it in on your flatbed trailer, drive your vehicle over the chalk, and you're secure. You can find it at driveoverchalk.com. And by the way, uh, you'll get free shipping if you tell them that you heard about it here. Use that promo code CABLE or Lone Star, and you'll get free shipping. It's a $50 savings right there off the top. All right, uh, let's take a break. Up next, we will talk some waterfowling. With Ralph Nauman, CEO of Heavy Shot, uh, Waterfowl and Game Loads. That's coming at you right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Do 
you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease, we have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. Grandfather always said God's fisher. And now I know the reason why. Put him some time. Daddy has to go away. Well, please don't think. But it means I don't know. Sturgill Simpson bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff. Our Polaris, I'm Cable Smith. And uh, we are all set to talk a little duck hunting this morning as early teal season, early uh, resident goose season as well, have both come and gone. It looked like the guys on the coast anyway just did a bang-up job on the blueing teal. And I think as many as 8 million blueingers were residing on the Texas coast throughout the season. So (laughs) uh, they should have done well, and and I believe uh, most of them did, at least from the pictures and reports I've seen and read. Um, but hey, before we are uh, joined by Ralph Nauman of Heavy Shot Ammo, this segment is brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. You know, land is the one thing they're not making any more of, right? And we all want it. So let Lone Star Ag Credit finance your piece of paradise. They've been doing this for over 100 years. And if you're looking for a recreational or hunting or farming or ranching property, they've got you covered. LoneStarAgCredit.com. All right, let's bring on our next guest, uh, making his return to the program right now. It's my pleasure to welcome back Ralph Nauman, CEO of Heavy Shot Ammo. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Cable. Nice to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you're uh, on the show, then that means duck season is either here or almost here. So uh, we are certainly excited about that. Well, that's a lie because you guys do turkey and and, and, uh, I'm a big fan of the dead coyote as well. But uh, Heavy Shot's you know, your calling card is uh, is waterfowl primarily. It's so. the duck. Yeah. The duck is the symbol, <laughs> right. We're going to talk some duck hunting here today, but but first of all, tell us a little bit about how things are going for you guys. I, uh, I know you were telling me off the air, uh, things have kind of been in a state of flux for, you know, the kind of the ammo industry after a surprising win for Donald Trump. 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think a lot of our dealers have been have been slow to clear out some of the inventory that they laid in ahead of the election. But luckily, we're seeing uh, dealers uh, buying with some renewed vigor here right now. They're buying our new Heavy X product. They're buying heavy metal. Um, they're starting to realize that even though uh, even though uh, the last six or seven months have been slow in the ammo business, there's still a waterfowl season that's about to happen, and they need to have heavy shot products there to sell. So it's things are picking up pretty well for us right now. Yeah. Well, and has the ammo industry been affected, let's say, to the degree of the, the firearms industry? Because, I mean, I know personally, well, especially on the tactical side with ARs, uh, you know, the rifles themselves and then the components, um, I mean, that's big business, but I think people were expecting, you know, Obama was the best gun salesman America's ever seen. And I think people were expecting that trend to continue with Hillary, maybe even more so. And when she didn't get elected, here we are with, you know, essentially warehouses full of, of weapons. And um, I don't know if it's, it was kind of the same thing with, with ammo or, or not to that degree. Well, it isn't. It has been the same thing with ammunition. And, and in fact, I know the, uh, the big three, Remington, uh, Federal, and Winchester, have had big slowdowns as well. But uh, we're in the hunting space, and, and uh, hunters, you know, still have to hunt. And the only thing that slowed us down this year has been waiting for our waterfowl customers to see how much money they'd have to put into the hunting season. And uh-huh. looks like they must have worked out some of their inventory because now we're starting to see orders come in at a pretty good clip. So. Excellent, excellent. Well, yeah, I mean, we've got early teal and resident goose seasons going on all over the country. You know, Texas, we're in, we're in full swing. Uh, and I always get jealous this time of year because I see folks killing a lot of banded honkers uh, that uh, I guess they're hanging out at local parks and stuff. But right, uh, we have that here yeah. in Oregon. The uh, <laughs> the resident goose season. We have a two week resident goose season that's underway right now. Yeah, yeah. It seems like those ba- those banded ones just uh, I, like we've had a, we had a, a, a waterfowl guy from Ohio one time, and I guess they banded they banned these these geese like locally. And they never leave Ohio, and this guy has a lanyard full of bands, and I'm just like, God, if I could just get one, you know? <laughs> yeah, if my eyesight was good enough, you know, I probably would have more opportunities than I, than I take, but I just don't see that well. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well what would, this is kind of an off-the-wall question, but, okay, so you're, you're hunting early teal, and maybe you've got a rare circumstance where you're seeing blue-winged teal and geese. Just, want, you know, kind of put you on the spot here. What load would you have? in your shotgun uh, if you had a chance to kill teal and honkers oh that's that's a tough question right yeah. i mean one shell yeah. that would do uh, that would do them both um you know any of the heavy shot products uh the original heavy shot like in shot size six mm-hmm. will take geese down at 40 yards no problem mm-hmm. and will also give you enough pellets to take down teal pretty expensive if i were going to step down in cost I guess I'd probably go with a heavy metal four. Okay. Uh, heavy okay. metal number four. Um, that's what I geese, shot all last season. Loved it. Yeah, if the yeah. geese are coming in close enough, I mean, you know, that's not a 50-yard goose shot or maybe even a 40-yard reliably goose shot, but but it'll take geese at 30 yards, 35 yards, and, and of course, you get a much higher pellet count, so it, it'll probably work on teal. Uh-huh. But to get the... To get the high pellet count you want for teal and the spread that you want for teal and still get the penetration that you need for geese, that's a, that's tough to do in one shell. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt. And it, it's not that common either to have that uh, circumstance, but I have been on a handful of hunts where it's like, holy crap, you know, we're set up for teal and here come here come a group of ten honkers. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you're, you're, you're undergunned a little bit sometimes. Yeah. So I yeah. thought I'd uh, throw that at you. 
Um, well, Ralph, have you seen, I'm sure you have seen the, uh, the duck nesting, you know, the population survey U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service put out this year. They do every, every summer. Um, and, uh, and it, we have, uh, we had a little bit of, a a downturn, but we're still like, you know, 200% over the long-term average on most of these species across the board. That's right. Most of them are still doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I understand there's something like 8 million teal in Texas right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, they're all on this coast. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's, yeah. Got blown there. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the blue wingers, that's where, uh, that's where they like to hang out that the Texas coast and a little bit of, a uh, you know, Louisiana gets their fair share or two, but we do get quite a few down there in the, uh, the rice marshes, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, and blueing teal, speaking of teal, doing very well. This is the first year, though, that I actually saw, uh, that I can remember seeing a, uh, a significant dip in mallards. It's like, you know, the mallard is like uh, indestructible. It, it never has yeah. a downward turn. And, and this year, for some reason, it did have a little bit of one, uh, yeah. which was kind of surprising. Yeah, I don't know why that would be. Well, you're not I a biologist, thought, so... Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I thought I had thought that the prairie pothole efforts that, you know, Ducks Unlimited ha- has undertaken um, uh, have done some good things for nesting areas up, up north, but I, I really don't know. You know, I haven't followed really enough to know why. Sure, sure. Ballard levels would be down. But. What uh, What about... You're up in Oregon. What uh, What is just pintail migration like? Because you know they a lot of them end up in in the uh, I forget the name of the valley but they're in California. Uh, oh, the Central Valley. Yes, yeah. you know yeah. millions of pintail end up there. Yeah, I, honestly, I haven't looked, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, do they, I mean do they come through Oregon uh, in good numbers? Yeah, there's a the flyway the the uh, Pacific Flyway runs you know um, actually down to Mexico and runs up right up through the Central Valley and and right into. Uh, to Oregon, it used to be concentrated in the Willamette Valley, but mm-hmm. now because there has been more farming east of the Cascades, you see it, it, the the duck population spread across the whole state now. Hmm. Okay. So it used to it used to come into the grass fields and wheat fields in the central Willamette Valley, and now they go everywhere. Well, you know we've seen this uh, this alarming trend, and it's been written about uh, Delta waterfowl had a great piece on it uh, declining number of waterfowlers out there and and i'll tell you ralph it doesn't seem like that's the case when you show up at the boat ramp at four o'clock and think you're going to be the first person and you know you're you're fifth in line um and people swear you know i've told i've told our listeners and we've covered this topic you know these are stats put out there by the u.s fish and wildlife service based off of federal duck stamp sales so these are facts we're losing duck hunters but people be like no there's no way uh, that we're losing duck hunters because I see more hunters on the lake than I ever have. But I think it comes down to is that we're just losing access to waterfowl uh, hunting areas. Yeah, habitat. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. In fact, I think the, the probably the biggest impediment to um, to retaining hunters and adding new hunters is access to land. That, yeah, that that keeps more people away than any other thing. And I'll tell you, the thing that I think has helped uh, the growth of hunters, or at least slowed the decay, is young hunters who come in because they watch the shows on TV. If you've watched outdoor hunting shows, whether they're waterfowl hunting or deer hunting or, you know, whatever they are, they have become a lot more interesting over the last 10 years. And the, and the hosts, the personalities behind them, who, you know, have a relationship to you, right, because you're, you're a radio host, a radio personality, but those, those folks have gotten a lot more interesting and have been pretty good role models. And I know in the rural parts of the world that I that I move in, where I live, 
um, a lot more kids are interested in hunting now than uh, than I think were maybe 10, 15 years ago, primarily because they see interesting people doing interesting things on TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's that's absolutely true. And and by God, we need those. We need that that new recruitment into our ranks, or uh, <laughs> we're going to be a dying breed. That's for sure. That's right. Um, but uh, and then I, you know, as far as the uh, the youngsters are concerned, I think there's also this movement among, let's just say, I'll call them hipsters. I, let's call it a spade a spade. Uh, these folks who probably didn't grow up hunting and never embraced hunting, but there's this organic food movement, and I think that it's really, it is taking life in our country, and uh, and I think that that's a great thing because uh, we're like we said, along with the kids, here we are, we're getting young adults. Um, into our ranks for the first time. Yeah, I know that's true in recreational shooting. Um, I haven't seen that as much here in Oregon, which is ironic because Portland is sort of the hipster capital of the world. Right. right. <laughs> but, but it's a long way from us, a couple hours away from us, so so I don't get there too often. But uh, but I do know that we used to go to the local range to test new products at 10 in the morning on a Monday, and you'd have the place to yourself. And now you go and you have to wait for a bay. You know, it's like, why are you people at work? You know, I mean, <laughs> but the, but people have been buying guns. You know, over the last eight years, at a pretty good clip, and they use them. I mean, they're going through ammo. So yeah. even though the ammo business turned down from the the height of say 2013, it's still pretty robust. Yeah. Well, well, right on. The most exciting thing that you can do is take a newbie hunting. To yeah. to be honest, you see, uh, because I, you know, we were all that newbie, that first timer at one point, and I still remember the first solo duck hunt I ever did. I took my lab, and uh, me and Maverick were sitting there, and then two green winged teal came in on the on Lake Ray Roberts in North Texas, and uh, I remember the the way that shotgun smelled. I remember seeing the the uh, the steam the breath, my dog's breath just coming out in that cold morning air. I remember the way he smelled even. And, uh, and those are the only two ducks we shot. I'll, that's, I'll probably to the, for the rest of my days, think that's the best duck hunt I've ever been on. That's, uh, that's interesting. Cable. I didn't, I didn't realize you were so poetic, but you oh, captured God. that experience pretty well. <laughs> it's like you were there with me now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he's gone, but my love for waterfowling uh, will never fade, that's for sure. And and what I'm really excited about for this coming season, uh, you guys have a new product coming coming out. It's called Heavy X. I haven't shot it yet, so I honestly don't know much about it, Ralph, to be honest with you. Um, but I will be shooting it very soon, so tell me what I'm in for. Yeah, Heavy X is uh, good fun for us. It actually is a... Um a recreation of a shot shell that we made from 2004 to about 2009, which was called Heavy Steel, the original Heavy Steel, before we shifted to the Heavy Steel we have today, which is all steel. So Heavy X is a tungsten-based product. It has a density about halfway between steel and lead. So it's not as dense as the original Heavy Shot, which is denser than lead, but it's uh, substantially denser than steel. So it's right around bismuth uh, density, but it doesn't it doesn't deform like bismuth, and it's also softer than the original heavy shot. So it's easier on your gun, and we launched it a little bit slower than we launched the heavy uh, heavy shot products because that extra density gives you really terrific downrange energy, but without quite as much kick as the heavy shot or the heavy metal product, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you get, oh... 40% more energy at 40 yards, 50% more energy at 50 yards, and you get out of steel, 
of the same size, or if you go two shot sizes smaller, you get the same energy as steel at 40 yards and 50 yards, but you get a 20% increase in pellet count, right? So, so what you're buying a tool with heavy axe that just gives you a much higher probability of success, either in higher pellets or longer range. You get to choose which one you which one you want to use. If you shoot shot size four in heavy axe, you get the same knockdown power as shot size two in steel, mm-hmm. but you get 20% more pellets, for example. So. That's the magic. Uh, that's part of the magic of heavy X. But the real magic of heavy X is, whereas if you if you buy twenty five shells of bismuth, you might be up around fifty six dollars right. because it comes in boxes of ten. This comes in a box of twenty five, and twenty five shells will be thirty four ninety nine. Huh. Okay. At retail, so it's yeah. substantially cheaper than any of the other uh, high end shot shell materials that are out there. So it's it's better and cheaper. And but it's you know for a guy that that wants to shoot steel this might be a little pricey but for a guy that that doesn't get to hunt that many days in the field and wants a, a tool that doesn't break the bank and and uh, that will work better for him this is this is the product hmm. heavy X is the product. Well, so and so let me ask you this: Do you feel like I mean you're kind of competing with yourself with just the regular old heavy shot? Uh, well, yeah, it's sort of. Except that heavy shot is also quite expensive. I mean, it's right yeah. up there with bismuth, you know. Yeah. And this is this is substantially less expensive, but it gives you performance, just like the original uh, heavy steel did back in the uh, back in the two thousand five six period. It gives you it gives you that kind of performance, but at a much better price point hmm. than you can get um, with heavy shot. Well, so why did heavy steel go away? Heavy steel got too expensive. Was one problem. They said, but the bigger problem was it was really hard. We hadn't figured out how to make that pellet soft enough to be safe in a barrel, so we used a really thick wad, uh-huh. and, and consequently we couldn't get a lot of payload in that shell. But this, these shells are uh, ounce and uh, ounce and a quarter at uh, you know in three inch um, twelve gauge, ounce and an eighth and two and three quarter, and ounce and uh, three eighths and in uh, in uh, three and a half inch. So. You know, you get a pretty good payload. Um, you get decent velocity for downrange energy, but without quite as much recoil, and uh, we don't have to use that thick wad. So, hmm. it's it's a less expensive shell to make. Right on. Uh, cool deal. Okay, and uh, like you said, retail is thirty four uh, ninety nine. Yeah, uh-huh. for a bo- box of twenty five. Okay. Right. right on. So, so a guy who shoots bismuth or a guy who shoots heavy shot, you know, might want to try this. Uh, a guy who shoots steel but isn't satisfied with it or wants higher pellet counts uh, at long range, um, this would be the ticket for him. Excellent, excellent. And I, I imagine folks can find it on shelves right now. Yeah, we've been shipping at a pretty good rate. Actually, it's uh, we're uh, we're pleased to see how popular it has, it has become in such a short period of time. Yeah, and I imagine that's uh, that's always a tough thing to put out, you know, uh, you've got an established name. I mean, everybody knows uh, Heavy Shot. Um, but to come out with a new product that, that people haven't used before, I imagine, I don't know, is that a nervous undertaking for you? Well, it is for me. It's like launching your kids on the first day of school you know, <laughs> when they're when they're five, you know. I mean, how is this going to work, you know? Um, because you never know how, how folks, but, but, but I have to say, you know, it's been out for about a month and a half, and uh-huh. people have been using it on birds. And the feedback that we get is really very encouraging. So um, I think this one's going to work. Awesome, awesome. Well, people, we're certainly... people, what they like, what they like is they take a passing shot on a duck 
or on a goose, really, because mainly it's been used for resident goose season so far. Um, and and it just erases it from the air, you know. Clean kill <laughs> drops like a stone, 40, 50, 60 yards, you know. That's oh, what yeah. Like. Uh-huh. Oh, there's nothing better than the, the helicoptering goose or duck down there yeah, right. coming out That's of the, right. the stratosphere into your, you know. <laughs> right. It's the best right. is when they land two feet from your buddy and he wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've yet yeah. to have one hit a buddy, but uh, I've we've come close a couple of times. So. Yeah, we've seen them drop in between blinds. Yeah, that's it's pretty exciting when yeah. that happens, you know. Well, right on. Well, cool, Ralph. Uh, we certainly appreciate it, man. Heavy X available right now. We're looking forward to shooting it this fall. Uh, real quick, before we let you go, I almost forgot. We're going to do a quick giveaway. We've got a box of Heavy X and I believe a uh, Heavy X T-shirt. You'll have some new shirts out. Heavy X T-shirt. We do have some new shirts out. Pretty, awesome. pretty classy-looking shirt. Excellent. Okay, and so here's where I put you on the spot again, and you come up with a uh, duck hunting-related trivia question for our listeners. So what year was the Federal Duck Stamp Act enacted? Awesome. That's a good one. All right. A little, bit, a little piece of history that uh, every duck hunter worth their salt should know anyway. Well, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. First, uh, we'll say actually we'll say the third person to text in the year that the uh, federal duck stamp went into effect, and we'll send you a box of Heavy X and a Heavy X t-shirt. And Ralph, we certainly appreciate it, man. Yeah, good to talk with you, Cable. Take care. You too. All right, Heavy Shot Ammo's Ralph Nauman. And y'all keep those texts coming. Phone's blowing up right now, so uh, one of y'all's going to win the uh, Heavy X. Cool stuff there. And that segment brought to you by Sendero Seed Company, Texas' premier seed company, offering anything and everything you need to keep a happy and healthy whitetail herd, including the Dr. Deer-backed Buck Forage Oats. Check them out at SenderoSeed.com or call 1-877-610-SEED today. Woo! Just looking at the clock here, unfortunately, it is that time. We've got to go. Got to get out of here. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors, though. Uh, we wouldn't be here without their support. And thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, Cable Smith saying, hey, you're on the road.